You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Ask Concussion Doc. I am your host, Dr. Cameron Marshall. If you are joining us live, welcome. If you aren't able to join us live, you can always catch us on YouTube and on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts after the fact. Uh, today's episode, we've had a number of questions about assessments for concussion, particularly on-field assessment as well as sideline assessment. Uh, I'm going to go a step further and include clinical assessment just for acute concussions. Um, this is obviously a massive, massive topic. But one thing to keep in mind is that your assessment um, protocols change depending on where you are. And I will put the disclaimer out there that this in no means certifies you to be able to do this. This is for therapists that are already managing concussions and have a little bit more background on this topic, just to answer some of the questions that we've received. So the first one is an athlete down on the field. So if you are a sideline therapist and you see an athlete that goes down on the field following a significant impact, you have to be concerned about the potential for a concussion. But if the athlete is laying motionless on the field, your first concern is actually a neck injury. Because if there's been enough acceleration to the head to cause concussion, you have to be concerned that there may have been enough acceleration to cause injury to the neck, potentially a cervical spine fracture, spinal cord injury, etc. So your first order of business when you're approaching an athlete that's down on the field who's laying motionless is to stabilize their neck just in case they do regain consciousness sometimes the tendency is to sit up quickly so if you can stabilize their neck and if they do come to make sure that you're telling them stay down stay down stay down so that they are not um, putting themselves at risk by getting up quickly so once you have the neck stabilized you're assessing for the level of consciousness if they are unconscious see what their responses are are they going to be are they going to respond to verbal commands, are they going to respond to a painful stimulus, etc. Um, and as you're stabilizing, if they are conscious, what you can ask them is, what is your name? This is an easy question that assesses both level of consciousness and cognitive ability, but also assesses for airway, breathing, and everything else. So it's a, it's a simple question that to throw out there. I actually learned this from uh, Dr. Doug Richards at the University of Toronto. This is what he suggests people do. What is your name? Then if they are unresponsive, check for the ABCs, the airway, breathing, circulation. You're going to run through your first aid checks and notify EMS if necessary. If they do respond, the next questions should be, where are you? What venue are we at? What's the score? Typical Maddox questions. These are to assess the level of cognitive um, um, capabilities, the level of cognitive um, function in a very quick way because after a concussion you get a very short window of time in which people have this dysfunction. So an athlete gets hit, they're down the field, you stabilize their neck, you ask them what their name is, they answer you, it's either correct or incorrect, which tells you a lot of information. They either have a lower Glasgow coma scale, they're low on their level of consciousness and they are maybe confused. Um, And then you can follow that up with some questions about time and place as to where they are. So where are you? What venue is it? When was our last game? 
what was the score of that game, who scored last in this match. Um, those types of questions are good to assess cognitive ability. What are you feeling? Do you have a headache? Do you have any dizziness? Can you feel your hands and feet? Can you wiggle your hands and toes? And then you get into more of ruling out that neck injury. So now you're getting into peripheral sensation. Can you wiggle your toes for me? Getting into a little bit of motor function. Start with the smaller joints and work your way proximally. So you're going to start with ankle mobility, you know, finger movement, wrist flexion, elbow flexion, knee flexion, work your way up. And you're going to ask about any pain or tenderness in the neck. Pain or tenderness in the neck, if they have pain on palpation of the spinous processes, that is a failure of the Canadian CT head rule, or sorry, the Canadian C-spine rules, which indicates that person should be getting an x-ray of their neck, in which case you would, again, stabilize, notify EMS to come and take that patient to the hospital, because there could be a potential cervical spine injury there. If you've ruled out that, and they have full, full sensation of their extremities, they have full motor in their extremities, they don't have any pain in their neck, um, and they're able, the next step is to turn their head at least 45 degrees in either direction without having any pain or locking or inability to perform that movement. That kind of rules out your serious C-spine injuries. Then you can stand that athlete up and walk them off the field. So you're kind of doing this multi-level assessment if you're going onto the field. You're going out there, your first concern obviously is the neck, but you get a very short window to ask about concussion. So while you're assessing for level of consciousness, you can ask these types of Maddox questions right there on the field. Once they answer those, that gives you an idea as to, okay, what is this a concussion? Uh, do they have an altered level of consciousness? Were they able to answer my questions accurately or not? If not, there's a good chance they have a concussion, but now you're moving then on to the neck examination to see if can I move this athlete off the field. So that's kind of your on-field examination in a nutshell. When you get to the sidelines, or if you have an athlete that gets hit during the game and comes off to the sidelines and you're suspicious of a concussion injury, your sideline exam is a little bit different. Because they're walking and moving, you're not necessarily concerned about um, the, the them being unconsciousness or assessing for their airway. They're up and they're moving around. They have a good airway and they are conscious. But what you do have to look for, again, is things like the Maddox questions, asking questions about symptoms, making sure they don't have any, any signs or symptoms of concussion, headache, dizziness, nauseousness, fogginess, blurred vision, uh, you know, confusion, blank or vacant stare, uh, imbalance or incoordination as they come off the field. If you notice any of those signs or the athlete reports any of those symptoms, your level of suspicion for concussion increases then you now get into a full-blown assessment where you're gonna go, okay, let's take your helmet off, let's sit you over here, let's do some visual tracking, let's do a cranial nerve screen, let's do cerebellar testing, making sure they have good coordination, um, ask them about their symptoms, and then you can go into any type of sideline evaluation that you'd like to do, whether it be a SCAT test, King Devic test, or whatever um, you know, tools that you have at your disposal or things that you'd like to use. When an athlete, is on the sidelines and the, and, the, and the concussion suspicion is there, you should be checking them every 20 minutes or so to make sure that they're not deteriorating. That's your biggest concern with acute concussion is not the concussion itself, but it's the chance or risk for more serious brain injury. And the sign of that, if there was a bleed or anything like that, 
the athlete may start deteriorating and start reporting worsening symptoms, start to become more confused, whereas they should be getting less confused, um, starting to have weakness or numbness in any of their limbs, uh, trouble with speech. Uh, those types of things would indicate this is a more serious scenario, vomiting. That means let's take this person to the hospital right away. If after your sideline assessment, the game is happening to come to an end, everyone's dispersing and going home, make sure that that athlete has a responsible adult with them because that, athlete, that adult is going to have to, again, monitor that patient for the next three or so hours for signs of deterioration. So we've talked about this before. There's, there's a list of things that you should be looking for that I've already kind of mentioned, and there's more included in that that you can give to a parent or whoever to, to monitor for that type of stuff. Um, with our program, actually, what we have built in is as soon as an injury gets reported from our smartphone application on the sidelines where therapists can run through this stuff on their phone, and it compares automatically to that athlete's baseline, that injury report then goes and the parents get an email that has those red flag scenarios in place that says, you know, your son or daughter has been uh, reported as having a suspected concussion. Here's the things to look for in the first kind of 24 to 48 hours. If any of these things start happening, go to the emergency department right away. Here's what you do over the first night. Do you allow them to sleep? Do you give them any medications? Those types of questions start to come up a lot now around concussion. And so this document kind of gives them that information. So if you're a sideline therapist and you are with our program, obviously you use the app. Uh, if you're not, you can try to develop a document yourself to be able to give to parents for things to look for. So there's our on-field, then to our sideline. And the concern again is, does this athlete need to go to emerge? Do they have signs of a worsening condition? Are they deteriorating? That's your biggest concern with concussion. When you get to the clinical setting, usually it's a day or two later. If it's within that first 48 hours, your concerns are still the same. Your job as a clinician is to identify red flags. Does this patient have any red flags that would require emergent neuroimaging? Does this person need a CT scan to rule out a bleed, uh, a fracture? Uh, does this person have potential spinal cord injury? Are they complaining of numbness or weakness in any of their extremities? So these things still have to be very much top of mind in that first 48 hours. So if you are doing a clinical assessment, you're going to start with any clinical assessment. You're going to start with your history. You're going to ask, are they getting worse? Are they getting better? You're going to look at cranial nerves and neurological examination. You're going to look at visual tracking, looking for abnormalities. These, these tools are not to evaluate concussion. These tools are to evaluate the integrity of the cranial nerves and the brain structure. If there's any abnormalities, then this person should be going to emerge to get imaging. The basis of your cranial nerve screen, it should be normal, right? Your cerebellar screen should be normal. If it's not, then you're sending that person to emerge. So you're in clinic examination is history neurological examination, and then again, assessing for things like cognitive capabilities. Some people will do a baseline retest uh, if they have it. I typically don't do that unless I'm really unsure if there's been a concussion or not. Typically, if the person has a mechanism of injury, meaning they've been hit, and they have any one of the 22 signs or symptoms of concussion, that is a concussion. There's no need to do any advanced testing. Your job now is to see, do they have something more serious? If so, I need to send this person to the hospital. If not, 
I can then continue with my plan of management. And my plan of management would be first following the steps of return to learn or return to work, and then followed into return to play. So you're going to put them on your kind of moderate symptom limited activity, then you're going to gradually progress into light cognitive abilities and things like that, and you're just going to monitor for symptom increase or decrease throughout that process. Uh, and that's essentially the three tiers of assessment. So depending on where you are, you have different goals, right? On-field, motionless athlete, your concern is your ABCs, your first aid, and making sure that you're protecting against potential cervical spine injury and notifying EMS if necessary. Don't try to move an athlete that has any signs of, of C-spine uh, injury until EMS arrives. If you're on the sidelines, you're trying to see, you know, does this athlete have a concussion? Do, can I let them go back and play? Can I not? And for the most part, if they have a mechanism of injury and any symptoms, you are not letting that athlete go back. If you are at all suspicious, if you are in doubt, you sit them out. That's the rule. In clinic, it's a little bit different. Uh, now you're more focused on, do, again, do I have to send this person to emerge? And what is the plan of management now? Because I have to manage this injury back to uh, return to sport, return to school, return to whatever else. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Any questions come in? way no okay great thanks for joining us again this has been episode 15 the assessment episode uh, only talking about acute injuries obviously chronic injuries the assessment is a million times longer and more complex than that but I uh, uh, hope you guys learned something let me know if you have any questions as always we will be back next week for episode 16 cheers thank you for listening to the complete concussion management podcast if you like the show please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.